Well, good morning. If you don't know me, my name's Tom, and so my name's Tom. That's who I am. So, just an introduction for anybody here who wouldn't, who, who I have not had a chance to meet. Um, before we get started, just one quick plea, one announcement is that after service ends, we're going to have a group of people who um, are going to tear this room down, and we need some extra help. So, if you're able to hang out for ten or fifteen minutes. We have two events happening, one tonight and one Friday night in, in this building and so that we're hosting. And so we need to tear all these chairs down, set up tables, that sort of stuff. So, Dave, we moved it to here. So what, what we did Friday got vetoed. So we set up Friday, but over there it's, got, it's getting transferred. So, so Frank, where's Frank at? Is Frank in the room? Frank's not in the room. Um, Brian, is Brian in the room? Frank and Brian are, are going to be your bosses. So they're, they'll be here, I promise. They're just doing other stuff like getting coffee and things like that. So, so Advent, um, we talked about Advent last week, and Advent simply is, is the anticipation of the coming of somebody or something. And, and for the Christmas holiday season, for us, we celebrate Advent in the anticipation of the coming of Christ. And, and, and a statement I want to make is this, and I want this to be kind of the, 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 state, the home run statement for the day, is that when God looks at a person, he is lurk, looking at their heart. When God looks at a person, he is looking at the heart. And I, I say that, and, I, and here's what I mean. It's always about the conditions of our heart. It always is. Sometimes I'll get people that ask me questions and say, Hey, Tom, as, as a Christian, can I do this? Can I do that? And it always boils down to what's the heart? Why, what's your heart? What's the reason why you want to do something or why you, you're asking this question? What's the heart behind it? If you're, if you're motivated to do something, what's, what's the reason in your heart why you're doing something? And, and God is, is after our heart. There's this great verse in, I think it's 2 Chronicles 16.9, and it says, the, the eyes of the Lord, he searches over the whole earth, and he's looking to, to, to bless, to be a part of that person whose heart is fully devoted to him. He's, he's, he's looking for the condition of our heart. He's looking for our heart. And, and sometimes we, we go after God in ways other than giving him our heart. We go after him by just being a full-out servant. And we serve well, but we, our heart hasn't, hasn't been turned over to him. Or we give really good. You're, you're the other guy that drops a lot of money in the offering plate, but it's, it's not coming out of the condition of your heart because you love him. I think when Jesus said to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, he was driving home this idea that it's the heart that God's after. I, I, a couple years ago, I thought, man, I wonder how long it's going to take before people get tired of hearing me say, we need to love God with all our heart. And, and when, when, we, when we planted this church, we, we realized we need to follow that, that commandment to love God with all our heart. And I thought, how long can I keep preaching this message to love God? And I don't know that I will ever stop preaching this message. That It's about our heart. It's about the conditions of our heart. And what happens is our heart tends to wander, doesn't it? Our t- it just, we, we, it's so easy for us to believe everything else that we're being told and not follow what, what God's leading us. It's really easy. And, and so for Advent, we've landed on this idea that the heart has a home. The heart has a home. And, and the home is the home that is, is God's, within God's kingdom, within God's house, that he's drawn our heart back to him. And so as we anticipate and we look forward to December 25th and, and the celebration of the birth of Jesus, 
we are reminded that that's what God's interested in, is, is our heart. When we look at, we're looking at the, the Christmas story through the Gospel of John. And for, for if you know the Christmas story, generally you don't go to the Gospel of John to read the baby in the manger story. You, you're just not going to find it. You may go to Matthew, you may go to Luke, and you're going to see your, 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 your traditional baby in the manger story. We, we, we're not going to see very many churches putting on um, the plays with the children where they're going to tell the Christmas story through the Gospel of John. But that's what we're looking at. And John starts off by saying this. He starts off by saying, In the beginning the, world, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we have this Word. The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And so we have this, this term that I, I started using last week called the Word became flesh. The Word dwelt among us. And because the Word became flesh, and because God loved the world so much that he gave his Son, we can have hope for eternity. And as Christians, that's what, we, that's what we, we hang on to is this hope for eternity that was given to us because the word became flesh. And that's what we talked about last week. And this week, we're going to be talking about that the heart can come home to peace. And the heart can come home to peace. We, we all want peace. Nobody wants turmoil in their life. Nobody wants to see turmoil in the world. And we all want peace. And peace begins and peace ends within our heart. And oftentimes we try to find peace within our lives outside of our heart, don't we? I was, uh, I was trying to think about just how, how do we do that. And I, I, I always think about the hippies of the 60s that find peace. It's through a joint and through sex. That's where peace, I, I wasn't in the 60s, so you guys that were in the 60s, right? It was through a joint and through, through sex you found peace. But peace begins and ends with the heart. And what happens is we put up these barriers. We have these barriers that block the peace that God wants to bring to us. And, and these barriers are in our lives, and, and until we get these barriers out, we're not going to find the peace that, that God can bring. So there's this battle going on for, the, for our heart. It's the flesh, it's the sin, it's, it's our, our, our nature, or it's, it's God and, and Him being on the throne of our lives. So as we look at that, we're going to fall in John chapter 4. The Gospel of John, how does, how does the Word made flesh bring, bring peace to us? And, and the chapter... Chapter John, John chapter 4 has become my favorite, I think, story in the Bible. Just, it's my all-time favorite. When I look at it, I, I see that there's probably 10 to 15 messages that can quickly be grabbed out of that and taught in their truths of what Jesus, what takes place in this story. Right off the beginning, right off the bat, in, in about verse 4, it talks about how Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to go through this place called Samaria. And, and when we start to look at the historical reasoning why he had to cross through this place, we start to understand that it's a place that nobody wanted to go through. No, no Jew wanted to cross into Samaria. But it, it, was a, it, was a, it was smack dab in the middle between their travel points. And when I think about that, I think about, has anybody ever been to, um, to Colorado or Wyoming? I love traveling across Wyoming. When you travel across Wyoming... It's like home, home on the range where the deer and the antelope play. You can drive across Wyoming, cross 80, as the sun's setting, you will see deer and antelope playing. I love going across Wyoming. I also like Iowa. 
If you've ever been to Iowa, Iowa is a beautiful state. I love Iowa. The problem is if you're in Iowa and you want to go to Wyoming, you have to cross through Nebraska. If you're from Nebraska, please don't be offended. I don't like Nebraska. It's a wasteland to me. So you get on, you cross over the river in Iowa into Nebraska, and, and you know, you're in Omaha, and that seems nice. Quickly, you're in the middle of nowhere. And for eight long hours, you're in Nebraska. And you just have to make, you have to go through Nebraska to get to Wyoming. You just have to. And, and Jesus, this says, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And, and so that when I think of him having to go through a place, I think of me having to go through Nebraska. But, but what, <laughs> what, we, what we see in these verses, I haven't even started my message. This is all off the, off the, the notes. Dangerous words. But here, here's what I see. Just some of the reasons why I love this, love this story is, is in verse 6, it says, Jesus, tired from the long walk, long walk sat wearily. Jesus, t- you know what we see when we see that? We see the word God made flesh in all humanity. He wasn't this God that hovered above us that, that, that can just do whatever he wants, even though he could. But we see his, his humanity that he was tired. He was weary. It was God coming in and dwelling amongst us and being part of us. And, and there's a message there. We, we read down a little bit more, and he says he was alone by the, by the well because his disciples had gone into Samaria to get food. Now, when we look at historically his disciples going into Samaria, what this to- tells me is that what Jesus was preaching and teaching to his disciples were starting to rub off. These barriers in their life were starting to rub off because disciples, Jewish people would never go in and eat food prepared by a Samaritan because they, it, it was considered eating the same thing as eating the flesh of pigs for a Jew. The Samaritans were so despised that they wouldn't go in and buy. But yet we see the, the disciples going into the town and buy food from the Samaritans. So we see that Jesus's work was beginning to rub off on the people that was around him. It's a whole nother message. And what we see in, in this morning is that Jesus brings peace to somebody's life by breaking down several barriers in simply a one, one person's life. So verses 4 through 10 says this, He had to go through Samaria on, his, on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave his own son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Then this dialogue goes on between them where this talk between living water and her confusion of living water in Jacob's well, and there's historical significance to that, which is a whole nother message. But what we see in this dialogue is we see this Samaritan woman coming to this well that was outside the village. The village would have had its well, his own well, but she comes outside the village to this well at noontime. 
And historically, we, we would say that the, the, the well was a gathering place, a social place. It was a place where the women of the village would use their, their time of having to go get water as the time to connect with the other women in the village. And this also was a time that most likely took place more early in the morning when it wasn't so hot. So we see this woman coming out at noontime all alone, not socially, not not enjoying her time to see her friends, but by herself to a well at the middle of the day. And we know as we read down that Jesus has this conversation with the woman, and the woman was a a moral outcast. She was a woman who, who even in her own village, just wasn't, wasn't part of the group. She had been married five times. She was living with another man at this time. And so... Even to the Samaritans who were despised, who had, who had given up their religion as the Jews thought, this woman was an outcast to them. And so she had to come and, and do her, her job of gathering water in an off hour because of the shame in her life. And so Jesus starts this conversation. And what we see is that Jesus is breaking down these barriers. And the first barrier that we see that Jesus is breaking down is an ethnic barrier. When, he, when Jesus, the Jew, is talking to a Samaritan woman, there's this ethnic barrier happen. There had been more than this 400 years of, of hatred going on between the Jews and the Samaritans. And sometimes when we look at this, I think, well, it's all the Samaritans' fault. But when we read about it and we look at, and we look at it, the Jews kind of were arrogant and they kind of had a bad attitude and they had developed an arrogance about themselves that caused them to hate, the, to hate the Samaritans equally as the Samaritans hated the Jews. And what had happened in, in, in history was this group of Assyrians had come down and conquered the, the region of, of Samaria. And as they came in and conquered and brought all their people in, Gentiles, if you will, the, the Samaritans intermarried with the Assyrians. And because they, as they intermarried, they started taking on the culture of the Assyrians, of the Gentiles, and they started acting like the Gentiles, and eventually they started worshiping as the Gentiles worshiped, and the Jews hated them for that, and they did not consider them to be Jews. They considered them to be Gentiles or a whole nother ethnicity of people. And so there was this barrier put up in the hearts of the Jews and that the Samaritans felt because they were different. And we see Jesus coming and saying, hey, I don't have barriers when it comes to race. There's no barriers. I'm going to break those down. I'm going to kick those down because I'm going to go in and have a conversation and offer life to somebody of a different nationality than me. We start to see God loving the whole world in this story. See, see, when John writes this, he doesn't write, for God so loved the Jews that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world. And this is Jesus saying, I'm going to show how God loved the whole world by stepping in the flesh, the word made flesh, stepping in and encountering a whole nother culture of people by having this, converse, this simple conversation at a well with a woman. And so Jesus breaks down this barrier that of, of, of culture, of, of, of race through having this conversation. Jesus breaks down the, a, a social barrier and a gender barrier when he talks to this woman. First of all, this woman was living a shame-filled life. Second, she was a woman. And, and in that time, women were different than women are treated today. Women didn't have the, 
the rights or the equality that, that they have today, that they fight for, that's been fought for and achieved for today. And Jesus being a rabbi, being a teacher, there was a, a strict code of, against him talking to a woman in public. In fact, the, these, these rabbis, they were, some rabbis were known as the bruised rabbis. They were the bruised rabbis because in public, they weren't allowed to talk to women. And some of them took on that they wouldn't even talk to their own wives, daughters, or sisters, or mothers in public. And some got so religious about it that if, if they saw a woman approaching, they would cover their eyes as they kept walking. And they would run into walls and buildings and, and houses and stuff. And they were known as the bruised rabbis because they were bruised up from, from trying to protect themselves from talking to a woman. So when Jesus engages with this woman at the well, he's stepping past a barrier of that she's a woman, let alone a woman that's a, that has a moral problems in her life. And Jesus is encountering her, encountering her, and Jesus is talking with her and engaging with her on a level that she does not have the shame that she would have had from any other religious person in her, in her environment. This woman, as, as she approached the well, she would have recognized a Jew stand, sitting there, potentially a rabbi sitting there. She would have awkwardly been silent about talking to him. She would have, in her mind, she would have been ashamed and silent and wanted to get her water and get out of there as quickly as, he can, as she can. And Jesus says, hold on, let's have a conversation. Let me share with you some living water. Let me give you life because that's why I came. So he cuts out this, this, this barrier that's socially unacceptable for men and women to be having conversations like this. <coughs> and then Jesus breaks down a religious barrier. And you can read this as we go into verse, into verse 21 of chapter 4. Jews and, and Samaritans had different places that they considered the proper place to worship God. For the, for the Jew, it was in Jerusalem. For the Samaritan, it was this mountain nearby. And she, they start engaging in this conversation because she, she says, which mountain should we be worshiping on? And this is what Jesus says to her. Jesus says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation has come through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And then he goes on to share with her, and she says to him at one point, she goes, she's you see this light come on where she starts to understand what he's talking about. She says, I've heard that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. And this is what Jesus says to her. He just says, I am the Messiah. Now what happens next is that the little hope that we see in the disciples where they've gone in to buy food, they come back and they're shocked because he's talking to a woman. And they're too embarrassed or too, they have too much concern to question him about that. But this woman, who's believed in, in the Messiah, runs off to go yell and tell people about the one that she has just met. This woman has encountered 
the word who had become flesh. And it changes everything about her. From, from a lady who is shame-filled because of her, her decisions with men, because of who she's living with, because of the divorces she's went through, because she's an outcast in her own village, meets one person, all the barriers that are in her life are stripped away, peace comes into her life, and she's able to run back into this village yelling and saying, hey, I've met the Messiah. He's out at the well. Come see this man who has given me living water. You see the peace that comes when we encounter Jesus? As, as she ran out, people came out and wanted to hear what this man had to say. It says as we move on in verse 39, 40, that when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed two days. Just a few verses earlier, he had to go through this place that, that no Jew wanted to go through. The Jews would, would, could, would go around the area of Samaria, which would take them an extra three days. It was a, a three-day travel they, from, from Galilee in the north to Judea in the south, Samaria smack down in the middle. If you just went straight through three days' worth of travel, they would, they would be okay with traveling six days and go around just not to have to encounter the Samaritans. But Jesus, because he was moving on the move, he had to go through Samaria, and now he's hanging out for extra days. The Samaritans are inviting him, come in and be, a, be with us, share with us, teach us. And the word made flesh was encountered by the village there, and many believed in those couple days. And many hearts were given over to God. And God had captured the hearts of many people. And the barriers in their society, in their culture, were being broke down and peace was being brought in. So here's what I think of. I think of social barriers that we have in our culture. I think of race barriers that we have in our culture. I think of religious barriers that we have in our culture. And when when we see these top three played out in the news... Or, or on social media, or just in our, in our city, we see that a lot of times there's not a whole lot of peace brought to that, do we? We see that, that those, those seem to be political barriers. Those seem to be the key things that are causing the turmoil in our, in our culture. And if we want to know, well, what would Jesus do about this? We could simply go to John chapter 4 and read what he did. He encountered. He, he broke in. And it was, it was him who brought peace, and there was, there was no other solution. Until, until peace came into these, the lives of the people that encountered him, or the word came into life, there, there, was, only, there was only barriers and turmoil. And so as we, as we look forward to December 25th, to about three, three Sundays from now, we can, we can say our heart can come home to peace by us encountering the word made flesh. Does that make sense? And the way we do that is by giving our hearts to Jesus. It's not, it's not a, about what we do. It's not about what we've done. It's about what we do now as far as giving our hearts to Jesus. And I wonder how many people sitting in here have, have, have pasts that, that you wouldn't want to share with other people about. Pasts that when you walk in the room and you know other people know about your story, you feel shame because they, they know about you. They know, oh, there's that person 
that person did this one thing, or there's that person, that person's living in this situation, and shame comes on you, and the peace is removed because of lifestyles that you've had. Or maybe you're the person that's seeking, seeking peace in other ways other than within Jesus, other than allowing the word that's made flesh an encounter with, with that. And so you, you, you seek the peace other ways because of the turmoil in your lives. Or just maybe life's wonderful for you, but the peace isn't there because you haven't encountered the, the word. And so, so we're going to enter into a time of, of just reflection. And, and here's what I want to ask. I want to ask that if, if you're a person that, that peace is removed because of barriers, that you would, you would ask God to, to meet you on a level where those barriers can be broken down. And sometimes it seems like, is it that simple? I think it's that simple. I think that we just have to turn our hearts over to Jesus. We have to say, God, you need have my heart right now. And, and that's a great first step of just recognizing, yeah, I need God to, to I need to have an encounter with, with God, and so I need to turn my hearts over to him. And so why don't you go ahead and stand with me, and what we're going to do is there's going to be a, a worship song that's played, and during this worship song, it's a, it's a time to worship, but it's also a time to reflect, and just, just ask God, is there, is there something in your life that he, he wants, or that you need to turn over, or you need to give to him? And if, and if that's true, and God reveals that to you, be faithful, and, and just be honest with yourself to do that. And then as the worship song ends, there'll be people that will come and stand up here. And if you need prayer for anything, I know there's some people in this room right now that are dealing with some physical situations, just pain, constant pain, and and dealing with some just physical problems. And God's a God that wants to heal. And we we believe God's a healing God. So so there'll be people up here. You could come up and and we'll pray for you. And we'll we'll let God do the work. If you need prayer for anything else, if you want to come up and, and rejoice about something in your life, well, this isn't just a place to, to mourn. This is a place of rejoicing, too. So if there's something in your life that's exciting and you just want to share that with somebody, there's people up here that would, would love to hear that, too. And so that's how this, the rest of this time is going to go, is we're going to worship. And then when the worship song's done, if you want to come up and receive prayer, come on up. If you want to just linger and just continue in worship or sit in your chair and whatever, you do that. If, you're, if you feel like, I'm good, I've worshiped God, I, I feel like I've done business with God, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm ready to roll, then, then if you could head out, out in the back. And then after, after, uh, after a time, we'll then come in and do the, the teardown and set up. Here, here's the last thing. As we were praying this morning, there was, there was somebody who, who just mentioned salvation. And they just said, you know, they wondered if there was somebody that was going to come to church this morning that needed to receive Christ, who needed to give their heart to Jesus for the very first time. Maybe, maybe you've, you've never heard that God came to bring peace to your life. And you're hearing it for the first time this morning. And you're saying, I, I want that. I want that peace in my life. Or maybe, maybe you, you've never considered that salvation comes through accepting Jesus into your life. And, and as, as we prayed this morning, we just prayed that God would begin to work on somebody's heart and they would be bold enough to come up and say, I just, I want Jesus in my life. 
So if, if you're that person, if you just know, I've never turned my life over to Jesus. I've never given God control of my heart. Then we want you to come up and we want to pray for you. And, and all you have to do is walk up and you can just slip up and say, I'm that person that needs Jesus. So if you need Jesus for the first time, you need to come up. Today's a great day. And it's a great time of the year to say, I started a new life with Jesus. If you're a person that you've done that, you've given Jesus your, your heart, but boy, you keep dragging it back, which I, I think probably every single one of us fall into that category on some level. Do business with God right now. So, Father, we, we just love you. Lord, you love the world so much that you gave. And God, as we just take these these weeks to recognize and and anticipate the celebration of the birth of your son, God, we ask that you would just meet us. God, we ask that you would would just convict us, that you you would do work in our hearts as we submit to you. Lord, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be worshiped in this place. So God, as as we wrap this time up, as we worship you, Lord, we are worshiping only you. This time has been for you. And Holy Spirit, we, we give you freedom to come and to make life changes in this place. So God, I, I pray for the people that are out there that, that, that just know, they know that there's a time for a change. They know that, they, that they've been holding on to barriers in their life that, that they've put on themselves, others have put on them, and they need to just get rid of those and, let, and have an encounter with you. God, God, as we worship, would you, would you just be on the hearts of people to submit to you? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.